David Dew, top of the arc. Here's Pip, guarded by Gillespie. Steps back. Spins. Fires. Whoa! Pip gets. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Dish Sports. I'm Ben Bilotti. I'm here with my co-hosts, Robbie Cannon and Matt Marasco. And today we are joined with a special guest, Austin, Austin Upshaw, uh, a former minor league player drafted in the 13th round from the Chicago Cubs in 2017. He's now over with Kennesaw State and trying to become more of a college coach and get more into the coaching atmosphere. So, Austin, how are you, man? Thanks so much for doing man, this. I'm good. Yeah, of course, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat here with this quarantine thing. Uh, not really much going on. Listen to a lot of baseball videos, you know, watching reruns of, of baseball games and any sports that even come on TV. So I think we're all kind of doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so – I mean, obviously, we did some research on you for, you know, preparing for this interview and everything. I noticed that you played over at Kennesaw State for a couple of years and had some pretty great seasons with them. Um, but before that, I noticed you actually went to a school, Georgia. Georgia Perimeter College, yeah. Georgia Perimeter, yeah. Uh, Junior so, College, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was just going to jump right into it and ask with something related to that. How did, did you always want to go to Kennesaw State, or is it just going to go, I'm going to go to a junior college and see wherever it takes me from there? No, so it was one of those things. Uh, I, I, you know, everybody's kind of got the dream, hey, I'm going to go to Division One, you know, because that's the highest level of competition. I want to go to a Georgia. I want to go to, a, you know, a Georgia Tech, Tennessee, one of those SEC, ACC schools, of course, uh, that everybody wants to go to. But recruitment kind of was a little slow for me. I think the first time I truly got recruited was my junior fall, which is, you know, that's, that's also typical for some, some guys. It's, it's not a big deal, but it, it felt late for me. Um, I went to two camps. I went to a Kennesaw State camp and a Young Harris College, which is a, a smaller Division II in Georgia. So I went to those two camps and ended up getting recruited out of uh, both of them. Young Harris ended up offering like two weeks later and then – Kennesaw was kind of, you know, we were talking or whatnot. And uh, long story short, I ended up committing to Young Harris, that small division too, because I felt like they gave me a, a really good offer. And, and Kennesaw never really pulled the trigger. So I was fairly, fairly happy with my decision there. And then, um, and then senior year came around and I had a really good fall with my travel team and kind of showcased myself well. And ultimately felt like I felt like I was good enough to go division one. And I felt like Division one was going to be, you know, the best way for me to end up in minor league baseball and hopefully to the big leagues. So I ended up decommitting from that division two and opening my recruitment back up. Therefore, being it so late in the game, my senior year, trying to get recruited, there weren't there wasn't a lot of money or many opportunities for a senior from a from a division one that I might want to go to wanted to go to. So I ended up going to junior college, uh, Georgia Perimeter. I felt like I could use that as a stepping stone. And also, you know, junior college, some of the, some of the schools that you, that you go to and play, I mean, it's, it's pretty legit. They can, you know, hang with some division ones. Uh, so I felt like it wasn't 
necessarily a pride thing. Like it, it wasn't going to hurt me to go to, to, to junior college. I wasn't like, nah, I'm too good for that. No, it was, I understood what it was. It was going to be some good baseball. I could spend a year or two there and then maybe transition to, to a division one, like I'd always hoped. So I ended up doing that. I ended up going to Georgia perimeter, having a really good year and Kennesaw state kind of picked back up the recruit, the recruitment of me. And obviously, as you said, that's, that's where I ended up after a year. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's so cool to hear like the different paths that everybody takes to get into, get, to get into baseball. And, um, you know, you mentioned using it as a stepping stone uh, from Georgia Perimeter into a Division One into Kennesaw. Can you describe that transition going from JUCO ball into Kennesaw State and Division One? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, junior college, you know, there are some schools that are really good. They can compete yeah. with Division One, but also there are some schools that are pretty bad and, and it's kind of a lower level of baseball. So I would say from a baseball perspective that transition from junior college to division one you would look up and down the lineup and be like okay yeah like the eight hole is still a dude who can put the ball out of the ballpark and, and do some damage rather than you know at a junior college you get to six seven eight nine it's kind of like yeah depending on the team obviously gotcha. and of course the arms the arms were a lot better as well um facing you know at Kennesaw State we faced in-state rivals, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Mercer University, Georgia Southerns, and, and those are those are really good schools. So, you know, even when we weren't playing like a weekend series in our conference, we were playing a weekday, we'd run into a good arm out of Georgia or Georgia Tech and obviously facing some good bats. Like it was the transition from junior college to division one baseball, that was kind of the difference right there was on any given day, you're going to be facing a good arm. You're going to be facing a good team. Um, and obviously, it's it's tougher to perform at a Division yeah. One potentially facing those kind of guys rather than a junior college. So I would say the level of competition. And then from school, uh, from a school's perspective, my junior college was fairly small. It was like, I think there were like 5,000 students or something like that. So transitioning to Kennesaw where there was like 30,000 students, Students. like that that was kind of yeah yeah that was that was kind of different for me a lot bigger classes um walking around the campus and whatnot uh academics was was a little tougher i would say but you know not too bad now there's some there are some classes and some masters in junior college that you know was actually harder than some of the classes at kennesaw but typically the academics were, were a little better so that gave me a little bit of a um trouble here and there but I would say that's kind of the biggest thing from junior college to division one baseball or, or Kennesaw state, uh, academically and athletically. Gosh. Yeah. Gosh. Very cool. Yeah. So then, um, uh, after Kennesaw state or after your first year at Kennesaw state notice you go on to play with the ocean state waves in the NACBL, um, which actually, I don't know if how long it started, but they seem to always have guys from Kennesaw, a, like year in and year out, which is awesome. They're great players. They had a couple guys last year that just absolutely mashed great players. Um, so you performed really well in the NACBL with the Waves. How, how much do you think playing in, you know, the NACBL atmosphere, being one of the more competitive, competitive summer ball leagues played into, one, your success your second year at Kennesaw, and two, uh, your, with your draft stock? 
Yeah, so I would say, you know, when people think of the NECBL, it's one of the top three leagues in the nation. So automatically, um, you know, if you were to have success there, it draws some attention. It's like, oh, you, you hit pretty well in the NECBL. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's automatic, kind of automatic respect because of mm -hmm. the prestige of the league. Um, but for me, you know, doing well and having a good season at Ocean State, I think, I think, like you said the, in the question, it, it transferred me the next year at Kennesaw and obviously in my draft stock as well. Because from a Kennesaw State perspective, when I got back to Kennesaw, um, you know, having a good year there, the, my first year at Kennesaw, and then going and have a good year, that kind of translated and helped me feel more confident. You know, I kind of I found myself as a hitter a little more over the summer as well. And then obviously it translated to, to the spring kind of continuing my role but from a draft stock I think you know when scouts saw okay he had a good year at Kennesaw then he had a good year in the NECBL with Wood and you know that's that's one of the yeah. things I forgot to mention is you know you definitely get respect when you hit well with Wood so yeah. um, the scouts are kind of looking at that looking at that repetitive success um, throughout the year and you know that I think that helped increase my draft stock and obviously I came out and performed that spring my junior year which helped but um i would say ocean state you know that that summer season really did help in the long term whether it's draft stock or how i performed at kennesaw that next year yeah and i, I gotta ask i mean we're new england guys matt and i Rhode island guys i what was the you know what was your favorite part maybe your favorite off day activity when you were with the waves Favorite off-day activity, I'll, kind of, I'll give you a little story. and I have to preface it by saying um, I had a great host family and I had a great experience. And my host family had kayaks. So, I, you know, I, I like to kayak a little bit. I like to go out on, on a pond or a lake or something like that. So me and uh, my host parent, the dad, mm -hmm. we went out and um, kind of went out on a lake, maybe a little pond and kayaked a little bit. So I had kind of taken an interest in it. And at the end of the year, I came up with the idea because I had been kayaking pretty much all summer, you know, a few times. I was like, hey, hit up some of the guys. Why don't we, uh, why don't we kayak somewhere? Is there, is there like a river or something that we can all go to? And we ended up going to the Narrow River. I don't yep. know if. All right. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up, it was like five of us. We ended up going to the Narrow River. Um, Ace Pod was actually with us, the the GM that's yeah. there now. For the yeah. And we're just going up the river, you know, having a good old time. And I didn't realize it, but the narrow river actually leads to the ocean. Yeah. So we're just going, going, going. All of a sudden, boom, we're out in the ocean. And we're like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's a river. Cool, cool. Like, yeah, there's probably some tiger sharks or whatever, but no big deal. And then all of a sudden you see the ocean. It's like, ooh. <laughs> You know, kind of in that big area in the summer. We had just seen a week before, you know, great whites. So heads up, there are great whites out there, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, of course, five college dudes, you know, like, oh, let's go, let's go. So we kind of, we kind of paddle our way out from, from the river into the ocean. And we're like, oh, yeah, this is fun. This is fun. And we keep going, keep going. And um, finally got to a point where it's like, all right, you know, we had spent like 20 minutes out there. It's like, all right, let, let's, let's head back. So... We're sitting there like, ah, oh, let's let's catch a wave in. So I caught a wave, and another dude's catching a wave. Well, the last guy trying to catch a wave in does 
hit it right, doesn't angle his kayak well enough, and he flips. <laughs> and he, he, obviously, we had been talking about sharks the whole time that we were out there in the ocean. We're like, oh, yeah, sharks, blah, blah, blah. And he flips, <laughs> and as soon as he touched the water, it's like he never touched the water. He got the kayak flip, and he hopped back up on his kayak and was so scared. He was not moving, and he was freaking out. That... <laughs> And it took him like five minutes for, for the for the water to kind of drift him in back to the river. But like he did not move. He was so scared. And we were just dying laughing the whole time. It ended up being That's a great, great trip. Um, you know, well worth it. And of course, that was kind of extra a little laugh for us. It was a great time. Uh, I had a, I mean, I had a great time all summer in in Rhode Island. So that, but that yeah. was my favorite. That was my favorite off day adventure. Awesome. Oh, that's a great story. story. <laughs> yeah i mean there's not many better in my opinion summer ball places to play when like new england you go up to you see i mean martha's vineyard now just got added to the necpl but i mean like even going down to vermont i mean it's beautiful up there every like almost every park you play at i mean mystic's not so great but <laughs> i mean they're you know it's great places to play great atmosphere just right. a ton of stuff to do so yeah any yeah. uh, is great yeah, it's a great league, man. And obviously the weather's super nice in the summer. Um, you know, for, for me being a kind of a, uh, a southern, southern dude, mm-hmm. getting to be able to come up to the Northeast, you know, for something other than like going to New York City, like getting to experience the whole Northeast, that, that was really cool. It was a lot, lot greener than I thought it would be, um, you know, from a southern perspective. When you think mm-hmm. of all oh, the Northeast, it's like all oh, them Yankees, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, like, City. No, it wasn't like that at all. Like it was, it was super chill. Um, I, rem- I remember being afraid that there wasn't going to be country music in, uh, in, o- in o- at Ocean State. They weren't going to play country music. But once I got up there, like every other radio station's country, I'm like, oh yeah, man, cat country, like, baby. What was I scared of? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was a great experience up in the Northeast, and obviously Rhode Island. That's kind of, kind of a premier spot to play college summer ball. It's great. So I'm glad you mentioned country music because I noticed on your Instagram that you would, I think it was that you posted a picture from, I think a John party concert. Um, John, yes. Yeah. I'm a big country guy. I know Benny's yeah, a big okay. country guy. We're actually, we're all big we country all guys. Like, you got, you got lucky. Cool. With, you got lucky with that one. <laughs> um, so I got to ask, what's the best country concert you've been to? Purse. I'm not really a, a, a like a um, concert person, mm-hmm. but my girlfriend actually got me tickets to go see John Party, which is the picture you saw. And that's like, I've only been to like two concerts ever. And that was my second one. My first one was actually um, a free concert by Big and Rich, which was actually super that's cool. Sick. But that John Party concert was, was legit. Like uh, it, it was so cool. We, we were very close and he just, pretty much got out his guitar and just played for an hour straight, you know, the whole time playing my favorite songs. My favorite song um, by him is, is Dirt on My Boots. Yep. So I, saw, I have, to, have to include a story because, um, you know, we were talking about Ocean State and, and my season and whatnot playing up in the Northeast. So I got up to, when I got up to Rhode Island, we kind of had to pick, walk up songs and I was like ah it really doesn't matter somebody picked one for me and it was um uh 
boys from the, the boom, here comes the boom, ready or not, here comes the boys from the south. And long story short, like the first month, I was not hitting well. And HBOD, actually the GM now of the Waves, was like, mm-hmm. why don't you, why don't you, uh, you know, switch up, switch up walk-up songs. He had, he had actually introduced me to John Party, and he introduced me to Dirt on My Boots. And I'm like, dude, I love this song. Like, let's do it. Changed my walk-up song that day. My average soared. Literally, the rest of the summer, I raved. And it was, it there you was go. incredible. I changed my walk-up song to John Party. So that's kind of a testament to, to, you know, my love for country music. And also, I kind of intertwined it with, you know, Ocean State and UCBL. So. For sure. For sure. That's it's, awesome. It's funny you say that, actually, because my, uh, my job over with the Waves last summer was being the sound guy. So I did all the ballpark sounds, the walk-up songs mm-hmm. and everything. And there would literally be times I'm sitting in the booth, um, let's say, like, this guy, Casey Dana, absolutely raked, great hitter. And one game, he goes, for like, 0 for, like, I don't know, 0 for 3 or something. I get a text from HBOT. He's like, dude, change up the song. We got to get him a good mojo. And he just kept that song the rest of the rest of the year. So it's funny you say that because <laughs> HBOT was always big music guy. Yeah. I always make sure I had what he wanted on or what the guys sure. wanted on. For he, sure. He makes it a big no, I don't want to – <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to claim that, you know what I'm saying? But I, I might have started that thing where, hey, if he's not hit well, let's, let's change the market. <laughs> for H Bot, at least. I know that's very popular amongst the baseball you know, oh, community. Yeah. But for H Bot. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, so you mentioned uh, changing up your song, kind of turned your season around. Do you have any other superstitions? You're a big superstitious guy, or not really? uh with certain things you know being a being a baseball player you kind of have to be you know you don't step on the line you you stick with the same routine um I would say there was there isn't like really any one thing that I do that's superstitious but it's more like I'm a very routine based individual I don't necessarily like change you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. I I like to Mm -hmm. I like to have this plan have this plan hey this is where we're going to eat tomorrow night you know what I'm saying because it's Wednesday one of the one of that kind of you know deals for sure uh, just sticking sticking to a routine that's that's kind of what i like to do so is that sort of my superstition but sort of not yeah no i got you for sure for sure that makes a lot of sense i you know same thing every time you step in the box same thing you know what i mean and just going through that routine and it's yes. a mock right for uh for whatever's going on mm-hmm. yeah for sure. I was the same way when I played in high school, big routine guy and all that. So I completely understand that. Uh, switching gears up a little bit. I want to, so obviously you got drafted in the 13th round. Um, what was that experience like? What was that day that either, so I know we've talked to a couple other guys and both of them actually didn't get a phone call or anything. So one, how, what was your experience like? Did you receive a phone call or did you find out through Twitter, the draft tracker or whatever? How, how just, what was that experience like? Yeah, so I was pretty confident that I was going to get drafted. Where, I wasn't really sure. I actually had an agent, and he was like – he kind of gave me a ballpark, like, hey, it could be either from from round seven to round 17, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of in general. So, you know, with the draft being three days, uh, you know, I watched the first day because it's not very long, and it's mm-hmm. kind of entertaining. But that second day was kind of when I really got my hopes up, and I – I was at my house, I had my family around, and I'm just kind of sitting there waiting for a call. 
And if you've ever like listened, like live streamed a draft, like the MLB draft, that's not televised and it's like kind of over like a radio type thing or a channel, it's, it's kind of slow and one pick after another and it's just slow, slow, slow. So I'm just sitting there waiting by my phone, waiting by my phone, waiting for my agent or somebody to call me and waiting, waiting to get picked. And just my nerves were like all, you know, all the way up, super nervous, super like, come on, come on, come on. Very anxious about it. And well, didn't end up getting picked that, that second day. So I was super bummed because I felt like I, I just kind of been waiting there. I wasted my day. Um, like I was dressed up nice. My family was all around just waiting. And I felt bad. Um, so the next day I was like, you know what, like, this isn't how it's going to be. This is, it's going to be super chill today. Like I went out and, and swam like that morning and then went and got a haircut. Um, just super lax, super lax. And I was like, you know what, like there's no pressure here. I want to enjoy this. I want to enjoy this day. I'm not going to like hound myself over when I'm going to get a call, but obviously I'm going to keep my phone by me just in case. So uh, 13th round comes along. My phone rings, agent calls. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm gonna get something, here we go. Pick up the phone, hey, Kevin, what's up? Uh, it was real, like, real quick, real, real quick with his answer. He's like, he was kind of in a hurry. He's like, awesome, because I want to pick you in the 13th round, this pick, whatever, uh, for 75,000. It's like, are you cool with that? And I'm like, oh, and I was kind of slow. I didn't realize that, you know, I probably needed to hurry up. But I was like, uh, do you think I could get this? You know, what are your thoughts? He's like, I don't think you're going to any better. You just said it like that. I said, all right, okay. All right, let's do it. Ended up hanging up the phone and I'm like telling my family what, what, um, what, you know, what my agent just said. And we were listening to the draft and I was telling them and all of a sudden I hear Austin Upshaw and I go like Austin Upshaw, 13th round, whatever pick Chicago Cubs infielder from Kennesaw state. Literally, as soon as I hung up, they had drafted me. So I'm like, I, th I think even if I said no, that they were going to draft me. Because <laughs> you know I, mean? I hung up the phone and I'm telling my, my family and then I hear my name over. Like, wow. But, you know, that it was an incredible moment. Um, you know, my family was super stoked. I was super stoked. Um, just excited, one, that I had gotten drafted and I would, you know, be able to live out my dream to play for professional baseball. But also, two, that the draft process was over. Because it, you know, especially that second day, it was, it was super stressful. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't take anything back, like, talk, like talking to, to, to my agent about stuff, like, hey, where we're going to go. I, I wouldn't take any of that stuff back, like negotiating. It, it was a great experience overall, especially hindsight, and, you know, not being in the situation now and thinking about how stressful it was. Um, great experience. I think it was, you know, decent draft story. Um, but Obviously, I was like I said, I was super excited to get to get picked and just ready to move on to the next thing, which was playing professional baseball. So, Austin, you said uh, you said that you were with your family when you when you found out. Um, who was the first call that you made aside from aside from your family, coach, or anybody like that after you got drafted? I text my best friend. Uh, his name's Chris Hawkins. He wasn't able to make it because he was at work. Obviously, he, he wanted to be there so bad, but he, he couldn't take off. Um, he, was, he was the first person I texted because he was a guy who had really helped me 
through the draft process and obviously helped me with my swing too. He was a, he's a former pro guy. Um, he coached me at Georgia Perimeter actually as a student assistant and then kind of followed me along to Kennesaw State as a student. And he was basically my hitting coach. And he, so he was my hitting coach and my best friend. So, you know, hated that he couldn't be there, but he was, he was the first person I texted like, hey, dude, I, I just got that big. And he was super excited. Like, it was a great moment, especially after work when he, when he came and got there. We got to celebrate. So he was my first call. Awesome. That's awesome. So you mentioned that uh, he was uh, one of your best friends and hitting coach all at the same time. Um, and it seems like, you know, you developed a really good relationship with uh, Kennesaw State and the coaching staff there. How would you um, – like, how, do you think that relationship kind of played into you going back to Kennesaw State afterwards? And, you know, kind of how how did that process work? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think it helps. Um, you know, spending two, year, two years there, I wasn't really a guy that, like, got in trouble. I was, I was all about baseball. I was a good dude. I feel, you know, I feel that I did things the right way. So, I, I think, you know, the coaches enjoyed me. So, you know, once I left – Obviously, went to the pro ball, stayed in touch, whatnot. You know, there was a good relationship between us there, the head coach and the you know, recruiting coordinator. Everybody, we were on good terms. And, um, you know, when I came back, when I ended up getting released, and I came back and was kind of hoping to get into college coaching, I was like, hey, you know, do you mind if I hop along the staff as a, as a student assistant coach? And they were like, absolutely, man. Now, you know, I think they would have done it whether – I got drafted or not because I think that's the kind of person that you know that head coach was and you know staff was but um, definitely building a relationship there and, and uh, being on good terms with those guys I, I think that really helped in their decision I think it was one of those things where they they welcomed me with open arms rather than like ah yeah we'll, we'll let them come on so yeah. for sure for sure um so let's talk about your experience in pro ball because that's I mean that's so cool that like you played professional baseball. You got paid to play the game you love. So what was uh, – so you get drafted, and then what's kind of the next step after that? You know, moving forward, you get the phone call, you hear your name, and it's kind of like now what? Because now you have to move so many different moving pieces. What happened? So it was about two weeks until I got my actual contract that I needed to sign. Um, but once I signed that, they, they flew me out to Arizona. Um, Kind of, you know, I moved into the hotel, did physical stuff, you know, make sure that everything was good there. And then, you know, once that process ended, it was time to play baseball. So, like I said, they sent me out of Arizona. That's that's the Arizona League. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a league right below uh, rookie ball. And for the first, like, three days, we were just practicing. We weren't allowed to play. Um, but then after that, those three days, kind of getting acclimated to everything, they, they started to let us play. And that's kind of when my professional career began. That's awesome. So um, I know we just said it before, how important, you know, your relationship with Kennesaw State was. And then obviously that just, you can say that with any sport, how important a coach-player relationship is. So going into the minor leagues, going into pro ball, you have a whole bunch of resources, a whole bunch of coaches, probably more, I'm assuming more than you had at any other level played at before. So was who was a coach or a teammate 
or just anyone that was teaching you something that gave you the most uh, either surprising or most helpful like piece of advice or change something about you know either your style of play or just how you're going about things uh who was that person for you and what was it that they did uh it was actually kind of it was two people it was it was in in low a so i i i went to the uh rookie ball or not rookie ball i'm sorry arizona league hopped up to low a the next year i in high ended up going back to low a and the hitting staff there is, is really who i want to commend here um uh, ricardo medina and paul mcnulty so those those were two guys that you know obviously i had just gotten i just gotten sent down uh wasn't playing very well on high a and they they were kind of given the assignment of hey let's get this guy right and and they were two guys that that really worked super hard with me early work, you know, afterwards looking at video, you know, trying to help me so hard. And, and that, like they put, they put so much time and effort into me. And that was something that I truly appreciated. And, you know, I keep in contact with them to this day because of that. Like they, they impacted me like so much just by them caring about me and caring, caring about, you know, my development. Um, so I want to kind of commend them and, and shout them out like they were they were my guys in, in minor league baseball and uh, they had a lot of insightful information about hitting life all that kind of stuff like for instance I I said I still keep up with them you know to this day I got Paul McNulty uh, Mac I call him like he'll just call me out of the blue and be like hey what's up man you know I just lit up my grill so kind of those personal relationships with the coaching staff um, you know those 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 kind of go on for for years to come and, and it's not just we were a, a player coach relationship like it wasn't like that it was like more than that it became a friendship so I would say like I said before those two guys probably the most impactful impactful coaches or, or people in in minor in the minor leagues for me um there are there are a lot of things that they taught me I can't just really give you yeah. one but <laughs> I kind of wanted to highlight how how they addressed me and how they like cared about me like that. So those two guys right there. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Is that something that you try to take to your role as a coach now, kind of trying to develop that relationship on and off the field with uh, with your guys? And, you know, do you still reach out to those guys, uh, Mac and um, Ricardo, about, um, you know, any questions you have coaching, like did their coaching style kind of influence how you approach it now? Absolutely. I mean, that's something that I've, I've taken with me like to the extreme. That's, that's what I want to be like. And, you know, they kind of showed me the way with how they approached me and how they handled everything with me. And like, I just sat back there and yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm just putting it in the back of my head, back of my head, you know, because I know that one day I'm, I'm going to be doing the same thing. And obviously today is that day, right? So I bring it to, I brought it to Kennesaw, just, just kind of taking their style of coaching and, and implementing it into mine and, you know, making relationships and building relationships, I should say, and on and off the field where I care about them as a player, but, you know, I also care about, you know, how they play and hitting, whatever. So I, I would say their coaching style, really influenced mine to this day 
Gotcha. Gotcha. That's very cool. Kind of that whole passing of the torch, you know, taking it back now and and giving it back to to players. Um, Would you describe your coaching style as kind of more loose, kind of free flowing, very fun? Are you more kind of, you know, regimented, uh, you know, discipline oriented or somewhere in between? Somewhere in between, 100%. That's, I feel like that's kind of what you have to be. Um, you can be this, you can be this, or you can be the, the right answer probably lies somewhere in the middle. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. the, that's kind of the way I approach it. But like I said before, I'm a very, you know, routine oriented person. I'm very organized. If it isn't organized for me, then I kind of like, I'm not, not very happy about it. You know what I'm saying? But then again, you know, playing professional baseball and having those relationships with those coaches where, um, you know, you don't even call them coach this, you call them, hey, Mac, you know what I'm saying, like a nickname. I, I feel like bringing that to the college game where we can be really loose, we can have a loose conversation about anything, uh, that's, that's really beneficial to those guys and they really uh, reciprocate, reciprocate well with that. But then again, you can't go in and be all lax and hey what's up dude and then all of a sudden they run over you so somewhere in the middle gotcha. you know, I got I got to set my boundaries hey we can't cross this line you know what I'm saying we can be cool but we can't cross this line uh, yep. that's that's my coaching style that's how I feel um, it's cool. just the best way to go about it right now at least yeah for sure for sure and I'm sure too is you know as you continue on coaching and you know moving into different positions and stuff that's going to have to change a little bit here and there but I mean, that's awesome. It sounds like you have it pretty well figured out right now. And it sounds like you struck a balance, a perfect balance. Sure. And, and it's one of those things that's, that's, you know, my first year in, in college baseball, I actually, uh, you, Ben, you were talking about um, some of the guys who played in Ocean State last year, like Garrett Hodges. Yeah, he, Hodges. He's still there, yeah. And I played with him. So there were, there were three guys who I actually played with at Kennesaw that I – him ended up coaching mm-hmm. so it, it's tough as, as a young guy who had just gotten out of pro ball who had really just been at Kennesaw years before it's tough to to get that respect from him as a coach um so that's something that I really had to try hard to do by you know obviously obviously I, I wanted to be myself I wanted to have that lax relationship and, and you know on and off the field with them and be like super cool and relate to them all that kind of stuff but then again like I said I had to set some boundaries where hey you know I am your coach I do I do I do need your respect you know what I'm saying so Mm. you know being a young coach just out of pro ball and having some guys that you actually played with that was a tough transition from a coaching perspective because you know like I said you had to earn that respect as a coach because I'd already had it as a as a person but you had to earn it as a coach so Joshua Sure, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure there's also, I'm sure a part of having that relationship with guys like Haji and all the other Kennesaw State guys he played with, I'm sure that also made it slightly, you know, easier to be like that guy for them too, already knowing them, knowing how they go about your business, them going, knowing how about you go about yours. So I'm sure in some cases it made it a whole lot easier too, right? Definitely, definitely. And it was one of those things too where, you know, I come back and they're kind of like spreading the word like, hey, Upshaw's coming back. He's going to be our hidden coach. You know, I'm super excited about it. One of those things. So mm-hmm. they, they kind of they kind of helped me gain the respect of those other guys. And also, you know, if I said something 
typically they'd, they'd listen. So that the, those leaders, those seniors kind of listen to me, all of a sudden that trickles down. Right. So that helped me out a ton. I will say that. And it was a sense of comfortability where I already know some of the guys. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I know Matt and I can kind of relate, obviously not at the same scale, but uh, we went to the same high school and I mean, our coach, uh, he was always a coach that had the older seniors that he really, you know, liked and knew, knew the game and everything. He would always have them come back for, you know, when they're done with their college season or just college in general, just come back and help out the other guys. And I think baseball is really a game where like you always look up to the older guys, no matter who's better. You know, they're, they're older. You always respect them. And even, you know, they might, you might be more talented, but they have been around the game longer and they know things that you don't and stuff like that. And just, you know, I think it's a game where you look up to people and have mentors a lot, no matter skill level at all. So I think that, you know, attests to why the transition can be at uh, times so like easy from player to coach and co- coaching guys, you know. Right, right, right. Now I will say once you, once you're there for about three months, that, that kind of wears off, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like for me, whenever, um, whenever I was at Kennesaw my junior year, we actually had a student assistant coach who was a first rounder like seven years back. And, you know, oh, my God, this guy, this guy's coaching us. That's freaking awesome. Let's go. And once you get, you know, a few months in, it's like it becomes normal. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way it came for me. And that's when I really had to keep pounding away, trying trying to be a great coach, trying to still earn their respect because I knew that that, that – initial respect that initial oh this this guy played with the cubs is coaching us that was going to dwindle so once that dwindles you really have to show them that you're knowledgeable about different things and just earn their respect in different ways right and then um playing with you know the cubs or uh, not just you know in anyone's case it can be just playing with any pro ball but in your case the cubs you have you're playing with a lot of you know elite talent and everything and now I know I've noticed looking at your Twitter page and I know we talked about it a little before we started you're starting to interview either guys you played against played with teammates and get their insights on the game so uh, one how did that you know how did you start that and is there anyone that you just you know wanted to like who was the guy that your first guy that was like oh I could do this with him and he'd be really great yeah so for me, just the, the purpose behind it was I wanted to give college and high school guys insight about what a professional hitter does, what a successful professional hitter does. And obviously, you know, like I said, that respect kind of dwindles when you're at Kennesaw State and three months in, like, oh, it's not the draft guy anymore. It's, it's, it's Upshaw. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, so getting that other perspective from another pro guy where it's like, Ooh, that's exciting. That's, that's another pro guy. Like I want, I want to hear what he has to say instead of it coming from me, you know what I'm saying? So I was able to, uh, you know, hit up my buddy. He was my my best friend in in the Cubs organization. His name is Kabatsi Mitchell. Uh, We had played years, lived there for two years together. And uh, I said, you know what, Kabatsi, I want you to be, I want you to be my first one because I think you'd be really cool about it. And I'm super comfortable with you. This is going to be like my first ever interview or, I'm interviewing somebody and, and posting the content. So I was kind of nervous about it, but I knew that Kavansi would be super cool about it and he would be super insightful. And I was just excited for the project. You know, I did, there wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not really able to, to give those guys 
the content that, you know, my knowledge, because I'm not around them as much because, you know, we're in quarantine, but to be able to, to find a way to give those guys more knowledge and a different perspective from another successful pro ball uh, hitter, I felt that was going to be, you know, super valuable. So that's, I said, come on, say, Hey man, do you, do you think this is dumb? And he's like, no, man, I think that's super cool. And he supported me about it. And I was like, all right, then let's do it. And you know, obviously, obviously did that. But, and like I said, just kind of bringing it full circle. The, the whole thing I wanted to do there was just create content that I can put online or on Twitter, on social media for, you know, a college hitter or a high school hitter. I just wanted to be able to reach them and continue coaching because I'm not able to do that right now. And that's, right. that's kind of my passion. So I wanted to be able to provide content. Yeah, it's a, it's awesome. great. It's definitely a great idea you came up with an ad. I mean, I'm not even playing anymore. I mean, I'm at least not yet. I'm done after high school pretty much. And I'm still out there you know, looking at videos of pro guys talking about hitting or, catching or anything so I completely understand why it would come up with that idea and why it is such a great idea and then um moving on a little bit I noticed that your second guy was Brandon Marsh who is one of the top guys in the Angels system how did you uh did you you played with Brandon or do you just know him from like around or how did that relationship come about yeah so we actually played together high school uh he, he was my teammate he was two years younger than me and um Obviously, we're in the same school system, but we knew each other and we knew of each other. And the senior, my senior year and his sophomore year, um, he actually got caught up at the end of the year to varsity to finish the year with us. And we kind of built a relationship there. And then, you know, I went to Georgia Perimeter, Kennesaw, and it's kind of keeping up with him because, you know, you keep up with your um, – mm -hmm. um, you know, he's going off. All of a sudden, he commits to Kennesaw State. I'm at Kennesaw State. No way. That's awesome. So we kind of had that conversation and that relationship to where, um, you know, it's not like we were best of friends, but we, we still kept up with each other and, you know, wish each other the best. So I, I was super excited that he was going to come to Kennesaw. Ultimately, he ended up, you know, getting drafted. But we maintained that relationship, you know, throughout the years, especially when I entered into pro ball. I was like, dude, what's up? Like, we're in that we're in that uh spring training I'm like dude we're about to play each other what field are you on oh, i'm on this field me too let's go so, you know, we play each other um, you know we hit some in the off season kind of hang out a little bit so we had built that relationship you know in high school and, and kind of maintained it going through and it was kind of cool our, our paths crossing again in in pro ball you know there's a picture on my instagram of, of me and him after a game where we actually played each other and it's just super cool to see, you know, two guys from, from the same high school crossing paths like that again. So that's kind of my relationship with Marsh, as I'll call him. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, relationships and, you know, things are really a huge part of baseball and kind of touched on it a little bit. But just in general, um, either playing with or against – Who's one guy playing in pro ball that, you know, you're going to tell eventually in the future, you're going to tell your kids, hey, I either played with or played against this guy? Um, I've kind of got three right now, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I get asked that question sometimes, you know. Oh, mm -hmm. you really played pro who did you come across, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I came across a ton of good dudes, uh, obviously super talented guys who I either played with or played against, but – the three that I that I'll continue continually go to is 
um, my one and only spring big league game, Walker Bueller struck me out. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's one of my claims to fame, right? Walker Bueller struck me out. And this was before he was like on the scene. Right. Literally that next season, he just, you know, he's a starter with the Dodgers and just going off. Wow, that guy struck me out. Um, number two, Jason Hayward. I actually played All with right. him for three games in a, in, a, in a rehab stint of his. And it was actually my transition from Arizona League to uh, low A. My first game, I'm, I'm, I'm on a flight, and I'm excited because I got to call up, blah, blah, blah. And my mom texts me in between my layover. They had posted the lineup. Jason Hayward's hitting second. I'm hitting fifth. I'm like, what? I'm playing with Jason Hayward? Crazy. And, I, and Jason Hayward was from, uh, is, is from Georgia. So yeah. that's actually like that was super cool for me because I you know I saw his um, his opening day where he had a three run jack and obviously followed his Braves career and he was one of my favorite players growing up and then my mom sends me a text like you're playing with them like that's that's awesome and then number three Nico Horner I actually played with him uh, Cubs shortstop you know behind Javi uh, mm-hmm. or however you want to say it. I actually played with him in low A my last year for a few games, and we became kind of cool until he just smoked up the, you know, up the system. He, he was flying, man. He, he, there was no doubt that he was going to reach the bits. With, it was only a matter of months, you know what I'm saying? He just flew up that system. So, Bueller, Jason Hayward, Nico Horn, three, three guys that I played with or against um, that I'll always tell people. That's awesome. Great, great answers for sure. <laughs> so usually kind of towards the end of these, uh, we like to wrap them up with just kind of some fun questions. Um, so I'm just going to hit you with some questions and, uh, and see where we go from there. Sound good? All right. Sweet. So I don't know if you've seen the uh, – we talked a little bit about music already, and I noticed you have a keyboard in the background. Um, so do you play? Uh, it's actually funny. So – my girlfriend bought a keyboard during this quarantine because she just wanted it. It was something where, you know, she was bored. She wanted something different. And I, I'm not extremely musically talented, but I've kind of like growing up, I, I sang chorus or, you know, didn't really play an instrument, but, you know, played the drums a little bit. Just I had a sense of rhythm. So mm-hmm. I've always loved music, not necessarily playing, but, you know, I just love music. Um, so me and her have kind of, I, I Googled, Easiest songs to play on the piano. And one of the songs that came up was All of Me by um, uh, Legend. Legend. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, John Legend. John Legend. John, John Legend, yes. Yeah. And so we've kind of been trying to play that a little bit. I've got like the first few parts of it down, and then it, it, it kind of gets a little tough, and I'm, I'm kind of in a sticky situation with that, trying to move past that little chorus. It's, it's kind of crazy, but... Um, I'm not going to say I play. I just kind of play for fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. So staying on the music theme, have you seen the, uh, I don't know how this started, but it's the picture of Bill Clinton with the four records that people have been posting on Instagram. What would be your four records that you would have in that picture? I really, I, I, I'm not really good with like albums and that kind of stuff. Is right. that, does that mean songs? What's up? Or does that mean like songs or albums? I've seen it. I just really haven't paid much either, attention to it. Either top four songs or top yeah. four albums, either one. Okay. 
I'll, I'll go I'll go top four top four songs. Right. Third on my boots, yep. John Party, of course. Um God, favorite song. Killing me. <laughs> uh, Jason Jason Aldean. In any one of Jason Aldean's songs. I would say Just Getting Started. Just getting started. Oh, that's not a good one. Okay. Um Nickelback, if everyone cared. Kind of throwing yeah. it back there. I know everybody hates on Nickelback. And then fourth one, gosh, Stacy's mom. Yeah. Classic. Stacy's mom. Classic. There you go. That's that was by far my favorite walk-up song that I ever had. Gotcha. That yeah, that's a that's a good one for sure. Austin, so uh what what's the funniest minor league promotion that you've uh that you've seen or at one of your games? Ah, it, it has kind of been a while, but I think some of my some of my favorite, I guess you could say, one was kind of funny. They're both kind of funny. Um, yeah, Harry Potter night. We we had these super cool like like the Gryffindor little getups. You know what I'm saying? The little yeah. robes that the Gryffindors right. wear. We actually had a uh, you know a, a jersey kind of built to fit that and. You know, every every half inning they would play some trivia, or you know, everybody, all the all the workers were dressed up as Harry Potter figures. <laughs> that that was super cool. I, I'm a big fan of Harry Potter, so I love that too. And then the other one was, um, we had a Mister Rogers theme night. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was, that was it was kind of odd. It was, uh, and again, we had some of these like funky jerseys. It was like a little bow tie and like a, it it, it was it was super different, and. Great. You know, like, like again, with the Harry Potter, you know, um, they played, you know, trivia or whatnot and just super the whole the whole game was very Mr. Rogers themed. So the Mr. Rogers was probably more funny just because nobody really Mr. Rogers, you know, what I'm saying nobody connects at the baseball or like a theme night. But Harry Potter was the coolest. All right, all right. And my last question, we've had you for almost an hour, so I'll let Matt and Ben ask one more after, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, what's what's your favorite favorite city that you've played in? Favorite city? You're going to you're going to ask me to choose that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to Nashville? Yes, I've been to Nashville. Uh played that was when I was at Kennesaw State. We played uh Lipscomb. That that was that was pretty cool. Um my favorite city you know i'm gonna say i'm gonna say arizona even though i didn't it wasn't like a like a, a league technically it, it was the arizona league but there's a bunch of teams right but i always look so forward to going out to spring training in arizona i don't know why i just love <laughs> arizona it's super cool super cool right. somewhere I never thought i'd go arizona awesome fair enough yeah. So, um, Matt, I don't know if you, you got any more rapid fire. I just had, I just had, uh, I had, well, I had one more rapid fire kind of, um, off day. Are you going golf or are you going fishing? Golf. Okay. Golf. Okay. Nice. I love, I love to play golf. I love anything that requires competition. Okay. Like whoever I go with, it doesn't matter. Like I, I'm playing to, to beat them. It's one of those things that I've, I've always been competitive. You know, I'll compete with you and, and racquetball or ping pong anything like that. i do not like to lose so anything that involves competition i'm all about so I, you know i'll go play golf i've been playing golf a lot here lately i'll go play golf with 
you know, my dad or my girlfriend. And, you know, there isn't, there isn't much like talking. It's more like, yeah. oh yeah, that was a good shot. Yeah, I should have hit my seven. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm very focused. I'm very, very competitive. I want to, you know, I'm there to play golf. I'm not there to talk. So yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. that. Yeah, I know exactly. What for some people it's reversed, but yeah. I love to golf. Very cool. Very cool. Do you know what your handicap is right now? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I usually sit around upper 80s. I'm still Very making my cool. way down. Still making my way down, but I, I'm I'm not really familiar with the handicap. For, like I said, I'm very competitive. Like, yeah. if we go, I'm going to hit from the furthest back, like the gold seats. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm not the best golfer, but like, I, want that the, I want the best that the course has to offer. Like, yeah. I'll never cheat. I'll always – keep it straight because i want to know i want i want to play it fair and i want to i want to get everything that the course has got so For sure. that's awesome and hey sitting low sitting sitting in the 80s is not bad at all like, i'll take that any day well now that i don't have anything else to do i'm like come on that's terrible let's go come on <laughs> so i have to go back and trying to work my way down there you go there you go all right uh we'll wrap up with this one last question for you i know obviously you're over at Kennesaw coaching right now, one of the assistant coaches over there. Um, I know we talked about it before. You're hopefully, uh, we're praying that, you know, any CBL keeps on going. You're going to go over to Martha's Vineyard and be one of the coaches yeah. over there. Um, so what is, what's your like end goal for coaching? What's, you know, where do you want to be in a couple of years coaching? You know, ideally I'd like to be at a, um, I used to say, I want to be at a ACC, SEC, you know, one of those top schools as the hitting coach, which it would be great. Like, I, I would love to do that. But ultimately, as I'm kind of thinking about it, I would like to be somewhere that I can stay for a while. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's talent there. Uh, I just kind of fit in and, and you know, somewhere I can stay for a while, somewhere I, I fit in, somewhere that's a good fit for me and, and potentially my family. I, I think that's kind of my end goal. If it is at, you know, University of Georgia, shoot, that's fine with me. But <laughs> you know, if it's a division, mid-major division two, shoot. And it's a good fit for me, I'm all about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. That's a great way to look, look at it. Because, you know, if I asked that to probably 75% of the people would say, you know, I want to be at this school or one of these five schools or one of – these minor league teams so I think that's a great way to look at it and I think in the end that's probably the best way to look at it and how you're going to find the most success ultimately right right so well I mean man this was awesome thank you so much for doing this thank you thank you um, I had a great time yeah it was awesome. great talking to you you have a, you had a ton of great stories ton of insight on the game we wish you nothing but the best of luck going forward in your coaching career and it was just awesome talking with you man thanks so much yeah. For sure. Thank you guys. And uh, appreciate you having me on the podcast and, and good luck with it, whoever you get.